Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 21st, 2019. It's Wednesday. It's hump day, right? And it's a pretty busy day, one would say. Busy with a lot of distractions, isn't it? Tons and tons of distractions. And it seems like the news cycle is always reporting things. But it kind of feels, I don't know, is this exciting? Is it not? It's what's underlying that is, though. You know, we see Cindy McCain putting herself out there like she's totally asking to be devastated. I mean, if I was Cindy McCain and, you know, heaven forbid that a man like John McCain was my father, I would not be tweeting about him, especially now that it's more and more evident that he helped orchestrate this coup against our nation, this usurpation of our democracy. I mean, why would you do that to yourself? You're grieving because he's your daddy. Unless you don't really love your daddy, you know, why else would you put yourself out there? Why else is distractions, distractions, distractions from what, you know, we have the mainstream media pandering on the fact that he retweeted, uh, you know, a statement of how Israel looks up to President Trump. But see, why don't they talk about how he may be the king of Europe, too? Right. He never said he was the king of Israel. They just said, you know, he's looked upon like because liberators are usually what uh, history has taught us to look at as kings. Right. That's the way it is. Maybe we could see that in Europe. I mean, look what's going on in Italy. That misfood situation is really, really added that heat on. Right, guys. I mean, we're seeing him resign. He is resigning. The swamp is resigning themselves in Italy. They are out the door and leaving. That is a big deal. And, you know, obviously, ooh, it's the far right and they're in. Take a listen to how Turkish funded uh, broadcast kind of sheds light into this. Because, you know, like we always like to do here on Tori Says is not listen to just our news outlets, but listen to the ones that are funded by governments that promote socialism that promote, uh, you know, the nation of Islam, Muslim brotherhood, you know, division, communism. Those are the ones that tell you more. Ours is pretty much orchestrated. I mean, I even saw a piece and I, and I hate to say this, a piece on Fox News uh, that really made me shudder. It actually made me shudder. And it was with Lou Dobbs. I was like, why are they pushing a narrative they know isn't the right one. It's so confusing, right? Why are they feeding us nonsense? But, you know, I mean, Rupert Murdoch was at Epstein's party. That could say a lot. All right, let's take a listen to what the Turkish Public Broadcast Service has to say about Italy's president accepting the prime minister's resignation. Take a listen. 
Giuseppe Conte making what might be his final appearance as Prime Minister in Italy's Parliament. Applause, but this was no celebration. Conte has effectively been forced out by his coalition partner, who announced he was tabling a motion of no confidence in him. It is clear that the responsibility of a crisis bears his signature, but if he lacks courage, the courage on the political level, there is no problem, as I will assume this courage. I believe this should be the only conclusion, the only obliged one, the transparent, coherent and linear one. I thank you so much for your attention. I'm going to meet the President of the Republic. Conte's five-star movement has been governing in an uneasy partnership with Matteo Salvini's far-right League party for the past 14 months. Both parties are anti-establishment and anti-immigration. Salvini has seen his poll ratings rise in recent months and is keen to take advantage through fresh elections. The main road is the way to the elections, because nothing and no one is better than the Italian people to judge those who worked well and those who didn't. And this is the main road we should take. But if you will, we are here. We have no fear to go on and finish the paved way of this government. Conte formally handed in his resignation at the presidential palace. He's described Salvini's actions as irresponsible, putting Italy at political and economic risk. John Brain, TRT World. Okay, so that was awesome. Uh, they obviously annotated this far right, you know, definition. They always like to call people far right. I mean, what does that even mean? So here's the thing. Salvini wants nothing to do with the human smuggling that's happening, wants nothing to do with the invasion, not migration or immigrants, you know, acceptance, with the invasion of loans. See, the IMF, guys, this is news and no one talked about it, but the IMF kind of gave a, hey, the world is horrible in the economy. Why? Because people are not getting loans from them anymore and those that have loans can't pay them. And so... Remember, I've, I've, I've done a whole show on the IMF. I actually wrote an article, I think maybe over a year ago, through Big League Politics, where I said why, I, why the IMF is a bully. Um, you know, they are the only established, um, they, they run on their own currency, and their currency is dependent on debt of nations. So their currency literally represents debt, and they are failing right now. And Italy does not approve of the stipulations that the IMF loans had uh, imposed on them years ago. And they are challenging them for being humanitarian. Like this is a big deal there. It's kind of like payday loans. They're like, Hey, so this loan really sucks. And you took advantage of us. So that's basically what's going on. Italy wants to shut their borders. And remember the Italians throughout history, have always had these peaks and troughs with their leadership, you know, from Caesars to no Caesars to Caesars to no Caesars. It's this revolution of being proud to be Italian, proud for their borders, proud for themselves, and not needing the reliance on other nations. So this is a very big step for them. Uh, but we all have to admit that Salvini was probably, um, you know... <laughs> thinking, oh, I wonder if the president is going to let Conti off. Is he on his knees saying, please don't throw me in jail for what I did with Misfud. Please don't throw me in jail for screwing up our relations with the United States of America for harboring him. But, you know, 
we'll get to that after Labor Day. Okay. Because misfood, uh, something that people don't know. Okay. Let me, how do I phrase this correctly? So in 2017, before Comey was fired, the question of misfood had arisen. And this question of misfood was not something that um, our media sort of, I don't know, discussed a lot. But apparently, um, the people that were involved in the creation of this dossier, the people that were involved in commissioning this dossier or funneling the information or pushing the information, well, those people that are in our House of Congress right now still elected members of Congress right now were discussing and asking questions about misfood to a Russian asset. What? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be coming out soon. So Italy is a hot mess. His resignation was for the fact of, please don't let me go to jail. I'll resign instead. This is a big problem. And I've totally tainted the reputation of Italy as an ally to the United States. So that's one. So we've got Italy done. Now we've got Denmark. Okay. So a lot of people joked about, uh, you know, president Trump talking about buying Greenland, which is a legit thing. I mean, we bought the U S Virgin islands from Denmark, right? And Greenland is owned by Denmark and it's fair game, right? Hey, you want to sell, you need some money. You're broke. IMF said you're going to be defaulting on your loan soon. So, Hey, how's we do a deal. I think this was a lot more serious than other people perpetuated it to be because you know, the tweet was pretty interesting, wasn't it? How he's like, oh, you know, since you were so firm on what you had to say about us, about Greenland, um, maybe we don't need to meet. It'll save you and I both money. No need for us to meet. That is a, that's, that's huge. I mean, I don't see why people don't see how important that is. And yesterday on CNN, of course, which I, they're not even news. Okay, guys, maybe a variety program in, in you know, doing impressionists, <laughs> what would you say? Uh, <laughs> pretending to be journalists. They had the former U.S. ambassador to Denmark. And, you know, obviously the former U.S. ambassador to Denmark, Salty, former, uh, said that's not the way you treat an ally. Well, seems like Greenland was a legit offer placed on the table about a year ago. Now Denmark is in a lot of financial trouble with the IMF. Germany owns the holes in their underwear, not just their underwear. And this was something they could discuss. And what they didn't like is one, it was leaked. Could that have been intentional? Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe it was done on purpose to stymie, you know, the whole deal. I mean, you would expect anything from the left because the left is like that insane person sitting on a plane saying, Ooh, I'm in this, you know, I'm flying out right now and I hate the pilot. I hope he crashes while they're in the plane. You, do you know what I'm saying? That is how they're acting. They're literally cheerleading. Ooh, let's have a recession. So millions of people can be broke and fall into poverty just to show the world that orange man is bad. This is just how insane they are. So if they, killed a deal with Greenland, that's a win for them because they just don't want us to, you know, enjoy anything. 
because apparently President Trump's not allowed to give us things that we can enjoy. I mean, Kamala Harris said these tax cuts, she's going to reverse them. Sure, run on the fact that I'll raise your taxes because these tax cuts are fraudulent. Um, They're actually making me keep more money in my pocket. Don't care if you think they're fraudulent. I mean, take a listen to what this former U.S. ambassador had to say about President Trump saying, hey, maybe we should have meet. It's just a waste of money. We'll talk when we got something to talk about. Announced on Twitter that he is canceling his scheduled trip to Denmark after the Danish prime minister said his idea of buying Greenland was, quote, absurd. Let's get reaction from Copenhagen. Joining us now is Rufus Gifford. He is the former U.S. ambassador to Denmark. Ambassador Gifford, thanks so much for being here. So the prime minister used the word absurd. You used the word sad. What, What do you mean that this episode is sad? I think it's sad, honestly, because this is just not the way you treat an ally. Um, So if we look at what's happened over the course of of this last week or so, um, or the last few weeks, he committed to come, and it's not just a bilateral visit with the prime minister. This was a state dinner, uh, the first state dinner uh, that a sitting United States president has done in Denmark since Bill Clinton in 1997. Uh, It's a big deal here. Uh, It's a big deal here. And um, in essence, he made this visit, his, his visit, contingent on the the kingdom being willing to negotiate the sale of part of their territory. Now, this is a country, Denmark, that has fought and died alongside American soldiers. I had the great privilege, I, I had the great responsibility of going to the Danish government and requesting troops to go to Iraq, to Syria, and they went and they fought alongside our troops and they died alongside our troops. This is not the way you treat a loyal ally who is with, with centuries of, uh, of, of diplomatic relations. It's just a sad chapter to me. And and just out of curiosity, what happens in Denmark when somebody cancels last, when a president cancels last minute like this? I mean, there were all sorts of plans and preparation and money spent, correct? Oh, oh, sure. Money, money spent both American money and Danish money The you know, the royal guards, you imagine, I mean, this is a monarchy. It's uh, uh, when you have a visiting head of state like the American president, uh, there's months or weeks of preparation. uh, And uh, it's a big deal. Look, Denmark is not a big fan of Donald Trump. Uh, and his politics. I think that's obvious. But you know what? They are a big fan of the United States of America. And the fact that they had an American president visiting was a big deal for them. Um, And to cancel the trip in this way um, is just a shame. It's absolutely... Actually, it's not a shame. It's the art of the deal. Why are we going to meet up and talk if we're not going to be talking about something I care about? And yeah, it's a monarchy that's owned by Germany. Maybe they're a silent monarchy. Hmm. That's interesting, right? So they're broke. They need something. And instead of us giving them aid, the negotiation is, hey, let's talk about instead of us giving you money, how's you give us Greenland? I think that's a pretty sweet deal. You know, why not? It's closer to us. You know, we can't we have the resources. We have the money. We have the scientists to actually uh, use uh, that huge, massive, largest island on the planet uh, correctly. And, you know, hopefully we can actually fly out there and enjoy, um, you know, ice capades or something out there. Bottom line is Denmark uh, showed their true colors uh, and uh, showed that um 
Well, I think they were more embarrassed more than anything that they were going to be selling off a piece of their property. And that was the talk. And it was leaked either by our end or the left. Nobody, but I would actually put my money on the left because they like to sabotage everything. And regardless, it was funny. It was like a going back and forth. But we purchase, you know, um, you know, property or land from other countries all the time. And considering that they are a monarchy, like they said, like he said, even uh, they're a corporation, the crown, the queen is a corporation, like legit on the books. It's a corporation. So this is a business transaction and it's a very favorable for uh, favorable one for the United States. Now, what he is trying to purport is that, you know, we are abrasive. Well, our leader is abrasive um, and portraying a face of the nation that shouldn't be. But in fact, you know, it's it's the Danes that are having the problem, not us. And whatever money we spent supposedly uh, canvassing the area for Secret Service, booking out the hotels, uh, you know, getting the right, um, you know, our vehicle, the beast out there you know, to get this going. Yes, it's an expenditure, but not wasted because maybe in the future they'll be more open to it now that nations of the European Union will be, you know, falling apart. I mean, Halloween is the day for Brexit and that's a really hot topic right now in England. I wanted to mention someone DM'd me saying, oh, Cindy is, you know, McCain's wife. Guys, remember on The View how his daughter, Megan, said that she tweets on her mom's account? You know it was Megan. That's what I'm saying. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that in any case anybody doesn't know that I know that Cindy is the wife and not the daughter. I just wanted to point that out because she's said that before, um, you know, pointing out how the older generation is not so accustomed with technology. I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, so uh, bottom line here, what we have going back to Denmark is a dynamic that we're seeing that our uh, administration is having with these corporations, these crown corporations, these royals um, in Europe. And that is one of strength and power. I mean, it is egg in their face by saying, hey, you know what, since we can't really seriously talk about this, I'm not going to waste my time. You shouldn't waste your time. We're good. And that is how deals are made. This is how a business transaction is done. Like, why would you fly out to a meeting and spend money on, you know, the guys that are coming with you to close the deal, lawyers that are going to come with you to look at the stipulations and the, you know, fine print and negotiators, you know, skilled and, and top negotiators to discuss things if you're not going to discuss it. So what? We're just there for a you know, opportunities to take pictures and smile. No, we don't have time for that. Our president is busy. He's busy making America great. So, and in order for him to make America great, you know, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of work to do because he's been doing it for two and a half years with his hands tied behind his back and still has gotten things done. You know, he's uh, tackled almost everything you can imagine. Now, we're talking about foreign policy, and I thought I'd shift a, lit, a little bit on the gears because uh, I wanted the first hour to be all foreign policy, foreign politics, geopolitics, uh, rather than focus on our internal. But I wanted to point out, yesterday I told you guys about how, and the day before yesterday, where we were discussing how Yemen had uh, used a Turkish drone uh, to blow up uh, an oil facility in Saudi Arabia. Now, months ago, I had also told you how we had sent 500 troops to Saudi Arabia in anticipation of escalation of events, right? Well, just a few hours ago, early, early hour morning, 
a Turkish drone operated and owned by Yemen slash Houthis, whatever you want to call them. It's just Yemen, Houthis, Al-Qaeda, whatever, shot down a U.S. drone. So a U.S. drone was actually shot down over Yemen. Now, um, you know, obviously it's being reported that it was over Yemen. We were actually canvassing the borders. So that way we can see what kind of weapons they have. And I say this because when you see that a Turkish drone has found its way into the hands of the Houthis and Al-Qaeda in general, uh, you have to wonder what Turkey is doing, considering the fact that they have been doing the same in Syria. Uh, again, we do not see any uh, any English-speaking media um, report how Russia has taken responsibility for blowing up the Turkish convoy trying to uh, transport tanks, uh, missiles, and uh, you know other weapons to Al-Qaeda in Syria. No one is reporting it. A Russian channel is, and I'll play that later. But I want to uh, run this quick 20-second segment from Fox News uh, that was put out this morning talking about the U.S. military drone shot down over Yemen. Take a listen. Overnight, a U.S. military drone is shot down over Yemen. Officials believe it may have been hit by a surface-to-air missile by Houthi rebels, a group backed by Iran. Now, this comes two months after Iran shot down a U.S. surveillance drone, claiming it violated their airspace. We will bring you more information as soon as it becomes available. Overnight, a U.S. military... So, I wanted to point out, did you see how they brought in Iran into this question? And you have to think, well, why are you talking about Iran when this is Yemen? Yes, we know that Yemen, Oman, and Iran have been working together with these darn pipelines to feed into Turkey. Yes, we know this whole rebellion against Saudi Arabia was so that they can continue on point, you know, to have these pipelines built. Yes, we get it. But what does the U.S. drone being shot down by Yemen have to do with Iran when we know that the drone that actually blew up the Saudi Arabian oil field and one of the most um, precious ones to them, right? It's like their golden, you know, facility. It didn't cause too much damage, but it did cause enough damage. Was shot down by a Turkish UAV. So you have an unmanned drone that's Turkish in the hands of people in Yemen shooting at, you know, Saudi facilities, and then we go to see what weapons they have. We go with our little drone to check out because we have troops there. Saudi Arabia is our ally, and they shoot it down with a missile. And you're thinking, hold on. Yeah, let's just link in Iran. This is how propaganda works because it's not straightforward. It doesn't tell you the story or anything. Now, uh, Turkish um, VGTRK Vesti News um, talks about the Turkish military convoy that appeared in the area of Syria that got attacked by Russia. Now, the title of this video, and I will tweet it out, which is a Russian state media, says Russia doing best it can to keep Turkey in line. Turkey still refuses to withdraw troops. Like I said, they're not supposed to be in this war. Turkey has no business whatsoever in Syria. The only interest they have in Syria is to protect their borders from the Kurds pouring in. We know the problem. And right now in Turkey, we have the Kurds revolting and ousting mayors. And, you know, there's protests where they're pulling out water cannons. It is whole civil unrest in Turkey right now because they are, exp uh, you know, cleansing 
as as Erdogan said, cleansing their nation of Kurds. Uh, you know, the same Kurds that they've been killing for decades uh, in the masses and harvesting human organs from the Kurds for decades and no one said a word. Now, according to what Ankara is saying, that they um, were sending this, you know, convoy to defend an observation post, which they have no business, you know, being in anywhere. And so uh, Slepsov um, is... Uh, a correspondent down in Syria that said that the Turkish convoy had 30 armored vehicles and ammunition trucks and is still in Marat Alum. And it's about 20 miles, um, 20 miles out from um, Khan Shaikun uh, and uh, six miles away from the Turkish observation point that they have in Idlib. And that is where supposedly the convoy was headed, supposedly. But Ankara says that the reinforcements were required, so many, like 30 tankers, really because the base is in the middle of armed hostilities. And so the convoy... It wanted to continue moving, and the post is actually completely secluded. Now, what they're saying is that they were going there to reinforce their outpost, but in essence... They were delivering these weapons to Al-Qaeda. Now, Melvud Kvasoglu, the foreign minister of Turkey, who also, by the way, is on Omar's speed dial. Um, he, you know, the guy that kept calling Omar, congratulating her for, uh, you know, winning, said, oh, we have no intention of moving, um, you know, the post anywhere else because, you know, Russia attacked them. And they're like, we'll do everything to just um, keep our soldiers safe. They just need to butt out. And Russia is making sure that there's a hard line. You move we're blowing you up. And Russia just killed three of their soldiers, injured another 12, and they did not whiplash. Why? Because they they need Russia right now. They will do anything. Russia is in a position of power and good for them. Because after this break, we're going to talk about how Turkey, the Muslim Brotherhood, has now taken hold of the Muslim training camp schools in Kabul. And I don't know why no one's talking about it. I'll see you guys all in just a few after this break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
plus it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So continuing on our foreign policy and where we were on Turkey, 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 I just wanted to say uh, that President Vladimir Putin of Russia actually mentioned on Monday that his country will continue to support the Syrian army in their fight against terrorism and stating that terrorists um, are trying to seize the majority of the Idlib province. And we know who is the one that is trying to take hold of Idlib. And I talked about this months ago, how important it is as a geostrategic point so that Turkey can reinforce their notion to the world that the whole Eastern Mediterranean is their territory, even though there are countries that have territory to that water. And some of them are actually within the territory of water that they claim is theirs. In other words, they're claiming that the whole island of Cyprus is theirs and part of Crete too. Crete, Greece, you know, with the Minoans, that's Turkish too, apparently. So the Syrian Air Force, as others claim, hit a Turkish military convoy uh, that was heading to reinforce uh, Al-Qaeda terrorists in Idlib. And it wasn't the Syrian Air Force. It was actually Russia. They took responsibility for it. And this is why we see that um, uh, the Russian, uh, the, the Russian, the Turkish uh, foreign minister um, pretty much said, oh, you know, we don't want to turn it to an armed face-off. You know, we're, we don't want to do this. Yeah, they don't because they do not want to tee off Putin. Putin said, don't. They tested. Putin said, all right, you want to test? Here you go. Boom. And that is how it happened. That is exactly how it happened. And Ankara is now in dialogue with Moscow to discuss this. And they're holding a meeting of their foreign ministers. So if Russia didn't do it, right, like the mainstream media globally is not even talking about this. They're calling it the Syrian Air Force did it. So if Russia really didn't do it, then why is Moscow and Ankara talking about it? Think about it. This is just how 
dumb they think people are. Lavrov also confirmed himself that he is, you know, in constant talk with the Turkish military and the escalation in Idlib and how they are being linked to these terrorist attacks that are happening. And so, you know, the Syrian army has to respond to this and they're forced to. And remember, Lavrov, who's, you know, the actual foreign minister for uh, Russia, he he had made that deal with Assad, kind of like the same one Turkey did in um, Libya, where Russia is pretty much at the disposal of, you know, Assad's Syrian army. So when you see a Syrian Air Force plane, it could be a Russian plane. When you see uh, Syrian foot troops, right, uh, the 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 Peugeot. As they would say, troops also have Russians in them. So the Russians have taken full force to smack it down. And the provocations um, that are occurring are not something that they like and not something they agree with. They know exactly what uh, Turkey is aiming to do. They will not allow them to infiltrate Idlib and take control of it. You know, and I'm at the same time, think about it, Turkey's really spreading itself thin. They've got their Kurdish issue, their humanitarian issues within their borders. Erdogan is losing power. They are killing protesters. I mean, all you see is water cannons, but sources on the ground say it's getting really, really ugly. Uh, people are revolting against mayors that are, um, you know, rounding up Kurds and sending them out, uh, you know, or executing them because that's something they do. Uh, so it's a really big deal. It is a hot mess. But like I said and predicted a long time ago, when Turkey finds their demise, it won't be because they bullied Greece or they bullied Israel or they bullied Cyprus or they instigated, you know, uh, concerns with the United States. It'll be coming from the north because Russia will come from the north, south, east and west. They will be coming from all ends uh, because they are strategically positioned to so. And nations that are surrounding Turkey will have no problem jumping in to support Russia. And Turkey knows this. And uh, Russia, their, and I'm air quoting here, ally is not happy with their position and they want to ensure that terrorists do not get uh, the funds, the weaponry that they need, and Turkey needs to be more transparent, according to Lavrov, because the militants of Hayat Tahir al-Sham, which are actually banned in Russia, right, um, are starting to actually withdraw their troops. So uh, if they've been able to manage to get that ground in Idlib and that terrorist cell actually withdrawing, then why are... Why do we have Turkey trying to refresh and fund them uh, with weaponry and money? Now, the convoy uh, was was stopped and Turkey actually itself deployed their drones um, to the site where there were airstrikes. They wanted to see what was in place, who did it. And, you know, Ankara kind of put their foot down and said, who's doing this? We're protesting this movement. This is a big problem. And, you know, Syria accused Turkey of using the convoy to transport this ammunition to the militants, the ones that were withdrawing from Idlib. And so that's where Russia stepped in and said, well, we did it. You got a problem with it. You got to stay in check because we're already getting them to leave. And since this city is one of the biggest strongholds um, where, you know, extremists are trying to get into, uh, you need to not be delivering weapons there. And 
Russia was not buying it. Now, having said that, Turkey, aside from the fact with their, you know, um, infiltration of uh, the uh, Syrian, you know, like superimposing themselves on the Syrian war, arming the Yemeni with, uh, you know, drones, uh, taking hold of Libya uh, so they can fight the actual um, Libyan National Army with this fake UN created Qatar and Turkey backed army. Funding Somalia, right? And creating military training camps there. Now they've taken full control of Fido schools in Kabul. Now, here's the thing. I'm telling you, this 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 school system, the FETO school, is a is uh, run by the FETO terrorist organization in Afghanistan. It's like the Muslim Youth Center in Kenya, uh, which is Al Shabaab's training school. Those are the Muslim youth centers around the world are Al Qaeda terrorist training groups. And this is why it confuses the the heck out of me as to why we are importing refugees that are part of the Muslim Youth Center, which we've identified to be a terrorist organization. It, it blows my mind. So anyway, Turkey now is taking control of this. And now, as always, I don't want to use the true media. I want to use the propaganda because the Turkish media is saying that the Turkish government has taken full control listen to this, of the largest school network run by the FETO terrorist organization in Afghanistan, and Ankara has been engaged in extensive diplomatic efforts urging countries to act against FETO. Wait, hold on a second. So you take over the Muslim Brotherhood's extension school that trains Taliban, you're taking over, you're teaching, and you're telling people, oh, we need to get rid of FETO. We've got control of this. You, Turkey, who has funded and created training camps for the Muslim Brotherhood, we should, you know, worry about the, 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 the Afghani one and not you taking over their networks. I'm super confused. Take a listen to what they say. At the age of six, Mohaddis was selling ice cream on the streets of Kabul. His siblings also worked. Their father is disabled, so they've had few options in life. Ten years later, he's back in a classroom. Uh, at the first, um, I was in factory schools in Kabul. And they spilled me because I couldn't pay uh, enough money in the year. And I decided to come here. here and here I wanted to go uh, to public schools. Um, but my aunt said that you have this ability to go to uh, Afghan high schools. But I didn't know that the, the systems changed. The change he's talking about was the transfer of FETO-run schools to Turkey's Marif Foundation. I just wanted to say the Mahdi Foundation and in Kabul, all these schools fly Afghani flags and Turkish flags. The new administration enrolled Muhaddis free of charge. He now stays at the boarding school. Turkish government is planning to invest Afghanistan's education system more than $30 million. So the Maraif Foundation um, of Afghanistan, the deputy director, is saying how they're funding the school. Did you hear that he's at a boarding school? Wait a minute. Okay. So that boy that was, uh, you know, not in school because he couldn't afford it and then a part of the FEDO school, but that was like the terrorist one. So now he's in the FEDO school, but he's actually at boarding school that he doesn't have to pay for. Turkey's paying for all of it and investing in it. What does that tell you guys? 
boarding school, really? So it's not just schools, like funding. Where else did we see this happen? Oh, right, that's right. Somalia, where they invested in their infrastructure, where they invested in creating a military academy, where they invested in their schools and their supermarkets and their food. Are you paying attention? This Ottoman Empire has really come up bullish under Erdogan right under our noses and no one is paying attention that they are fueling the future jihadis of the, the, the planet. And this infiltration we're seeing is not by chance only. Through Turkish Maru Foundation. At the moment we have 15 schools across the country. We have more than 500 teachers and more than 50 of these teachers are coming from Turkey. We are hoping that 20% of our students uh, are those who cannot afford the educations and we want to cover all their costs. And 15 more schools are planned in the next five years in Afghanistan. The Maori Foundation has now taken full control of the largest FETO-run school network in Afghanistan. But officials tell us they're now confronted with another challenge. Their teachers are facing a vicious propaganda campaign in which they're being harassed by FETO members. The harassment is mainly in the form of online character assassination and threats. Turkish sources say... So basically, the FETO Foundation, okay, so just so you know, FETO was like an organization of schools, kind of like a chain of schools that they had in Afghanistan. And then it was uh, funded by the Taliban terrorists so that, they, that way they can educate their future terrorists and um, have intelligence terrorists. Now, uh, what happened was after we got in there, the FETO was actually purged, uh, purged the um, Taliban support. Now, okay, listen to what what the Afghanis are are doing and what the Turkish people are telling you now. They're saying um, that they're um, exposing people to Pakistani culture, uh, you know, and that Pakistan should accept the Turkish public sector teachers while its own citizens prefer the expensive but quality private sector education for their uh, for their kids. Now, this is something telling because, see, the Turkish media right now is only telling you how they've invested in the schools in where? Afghanistan. But here we are where the Marif Foundation has also spread to Pakistan. And they say that a, num a marginal number of Turkey's um, uh, military, um, military and uh, cabinet members have um, uh, probably attended public school sectors and their children have also been enrolled in like private sector. So they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, you know, the rich people are doing this, not that. But they're saying this is the Pakistani one. OK, we're not talking Afghan. This is where they're saying the propaganda is heading from. They're saying besides the schools that they have created, lacking knowledge of Pakistani society. And remember, um, the Taliban were also, you know, because they border uh, to Islamabad, they were pushing their ideologies there. They said that the staff that is being sent from Turkey is not only selected uh, on a political basis, but is actually um, they don't even have the administrative or foreign language skills or cultural acclimation. And given Erdogan's close ties with the Muslim Brotherhood, this is a blind import of people with a specific political ideology, which has been 
you know, minimized in Pakistani schools, you know, the radicalization of Islam and college for the past two decades. They've trying to not create radical Islamic terrorists. This is like a, a concerted effort that Pakistan has been doing ever since the Taliban, you know, had um, exploded over two decades ago um, in, in the East. So now they're pushing it saying, oh my gosh, they've now penetrated Afghanistan and they're sending Muslim Brotherhood instructors to teach Afghanis, you know, uh, apparently math and science with a color hue of radical Islamic terrorism. Uh, you know, this is a very big deal. Listen to how they say that this is just propaganda and they're attacking Turkey. But think about it. Why is Turkey, who's broke, remember, broke, they're in financial turmoil right now, investing so much money in places like the Horn of Africa, in places like Libya, in places like Yemen, in places like Afghanistan and Pakistan, which are all what? Hot pocket, oh, and Iraq. Remember, Turkish military officers were killed in Iraq, and guess what they were doing in Iraq? Discussing implementing schools uh, to benefit those that don't have money. Because, you know, if they take a poor kid from a poor family or an orphan and they offer them housing, clothing, and education, they are then loyal to them and their cause. This is why 20% of them come from very impoverished families. Because when you have someone that has nothing, you make them into your something. And that is how they operate. Take a listen. Say another school chain in Afghanistan is under investigation for suspected FETO links. The Afghan Interior Ministry says it is coordinating efforts with Ankara on this issue. Back at the school, while other kids play, Muhaddis spends much time reading history. He says he sees himself in a powerful position in a future Afghan government. At times, others tease him. He ignores them and says he can't afford any distractions. Hassan Abdullah, TRT World, Herat, Afghanistan. Wow. So they are training future what? Politicians. See, he's the impoverished kid, right? And he's telling you, yeah, I see a big future on this. I see that. Because, you know, the best cover is to make it an elitist school, have tons of people drop serious coin to sit there and, uh, you know, make the school seem like an elitist school. And then 20% of them are your soldiers that you're, you know, uh, training. Now, in this video from TRT, you can observe that the kids are in a history class and all the maps in the back are the, <laughs> of the Horn of Africa. <laughs> it's just way too convenient to see. But anyway, this is exactly how terrorism spreads. You can't just have it, you know, uh, from adults or crazy people. I mean, Rashida Tlaib didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to destroy all Jews and, you know, Free Palestine, which is not even hostage. They've self-created this, you know, event, this this conflict. It's been self-created. From the minute that the Israelis were given borders, it's been self-created. From extremists on the Israeli side and then all the Arab nations that refused to participate in giving any borders to the Israelis, to the Jews, right? <clears throat> They've been funding terrorism to combat that. So one side hits, the other side hits. I mean, it's reciprocal, right? One For every action, equal and opposite reaction, right? So it brings us to the next portion of this. Something that was reported yesterday from the Department of Justice was really big. So 
Human trafficking. We all know that human trafficking um, exists. It is one of the most lucrative markets, child trafficking, human trafficking on a global scale. The United States of America, ever since the Trump administration has was instated, right, and he swore in, they have consistently begun operations to tackle this issue. So it's not only a domestic issue where we have our domestic, and I'd like to call it the real trail of tears or trail of Tears 2.0, and I know it has to do with like the native, uh, you know, and um, uh, up north, but that is where they're sourcing them from, from Canada, from North Dakota, from South Dakota, and then smuggling them out, uh, you know, through Mexico. But we have people that are being taken from around the world and smuggled back in to the United States, to other nations, and you know. Back when Brazil was having their elections, people were uh, describing their new, you know, leader as someone crazy, someone far right. Of course, that's always the way it is for those that want to tackle things like this. And human smuggling, again, is not all about slavery and sex slavery. It's about organs. It's about genetics. It's about the necessity of using human beings as commodities. And, you know, in the next um, in the next hour, we're going to talk about our local concerns. We're going to talk about how pornography, child pornography, snuff films, and this will take it back to Stormy Daniels, how it is all intertwined because it is in the most deepest pockets of government that these networks exist. Now, uh, there was a coordination between the U.S. and the Brazilians that was announced yesterday where they have arrested okay, uh, three very key components for the Brazilian-based human smuggler operations that they had. And they were an Iranian national, Algerian national, and a Somali national. So, you know, it would be great if someone could ask Ilhan Omar how she feels about Abtifa Hussein Ahmed, who was bringing in and smuggling people from the um, continent of Africa for whatever they wanted to do with those bodies. And so this was announced. Uh, it's the... Um, it's called the Extraterritorial Criminal Travel Strike Force that was uh, it was done under with a joint partnership, obviously, with the Justice Department, Special Prosecution Section, the Human Rights Special Prosecution Section, right? Um, USCIS, Homeland Security. And, you know, this um, extra, uh, Extraterritorial Criminal Travel Strike Force um, actually gets an assistance, not just from uh, various U.S. agencies, but actually foreign law enforcement agencies from nations that actually want to cease this type of behavior, this nefarious uh, movement of, of humans in general. And I, I, I strike back to this Iranian national. So Mohsen uh, Kademi Manesh actually is an Iranian national, but he has been living and working in Turkey. His connections are more in Turkey than they are in Iran. Um, he has been working on behalf of the Turkish government and the majority of the human smuggling, because I, I've actually been uh, tracking the human smuggling for years now, uh, but more so on the body part selling, kind of like, you know, how Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts. The Turkish people were actually selling hearts, livers, kidneys, stomachs, intestines, eyes, from Kurds. That was a very big story that broke back in 2000, I think 12 from Greece um, when the Greek government had uh, received information of um, 
a boat being captured somewhere in the Aegean Sea and it had human organs. And all of those organs came from Turkey. Now, at that point, you know, I don't know why the EU didn't act on it or if they buried that, but you didn't hear much of it until fast forward, you go to 2015 and a wave of migrants supposedly wash up to the shores of the island of Lesvos and other islands. And there were human beings that were hollow, like they were missing everything um and still wearing like life jackets so what they wanted people to think that they drowned and their organs just left it was the weirdest thing ever and again i say it um people that treat other human beings like this treat them as such because they do not value their life they see them like an ant you know kind of how you don't think twice about stepping on an ant or for me here in North Dakota this thing called elder bugs geez they are so annoying they're like everywhere I've never seen something like that before elder bugs are driving me insane this is the only reason why I loathe that we actually have two months of summer is because these little black bugs with a red back just appear everywhere and I and I don't like, you know, going out to my garden, uh, you know, at all. I remember that when we, <laughs> we were in some temporary housing, I remember walking up to the house one day. It was my first summer. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, it must have been windy earlier because I see this smudge of dark black on the front of my of the home. Right. And it was a swarm of these elder bugs. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so that is how they see humans. Like elder bugs. You just want to kill them because they're annoying. They're a nuisance. Their existence bothers you. Their existence is not important to you. That is how they see human beings. And this is why they are able to conduct such activities. Uh, kind of like the way people would speak of how Hillary Clinton would make people feel around her. Like, not just peasant, but you're not even worth to be the gum on my shoe type feeling. And this is the way they feel about people. It's It's disturbing right it is very disturbing i agree uh, but that is how they rationalize their activities that is how they rationalize their thoughts kind of like you know the people of cnn and the insane left who are telling you oh you know yeah we need a recession right now we don't care if all of you guys are broke we're still going to be making money but we need you to suffer and hurt and have pain not have access not have food to eat so we can prove our point that trump is really really bad this is how horrible it is now i also wanted to mention uh like i said in the next half hour we'll be talking uh domestic issues domestic issues that are arising that are being um you know covered with this cloak of rubbish kind of like the king of israel and now the antichrist is 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 trending so now president trump is the antichrist and the king of jews so he definitely has to be the antichrist according to you know the muslim brotherhood uh the antichrist is the one that is the king of jews because the jews are evil right so this is this is where we're at they're giving us all this rubbish to distract us from what's really happening from lawsuits to mass arrests that we're gonna totally enjoy after Labor Day, it's going to be a mass roundup. So in the next hour, LGBTQ and adding that letter P at the end of it. How's that happening? And how is the DNC, how big of a loser do you have to be to go to another country to raise funds for your political party? Like, this is hilarious. We'll talk about that after the break. 
See you in a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second hour. And, you know, I've kind of changed the way, you know, before it used to be domestic first and, and foreign policy second. I think foreign policy should be first because it kind of uh, gives us a good, um, uh, how would I say, atmospheric a picture of how things are being addressed on a domestic level because external, obviously, uh, pressures uh, dictate how we move uh, domestically always. Uh, So, uh, you know, like I mentioned before we broke, uh, the Democrats are such losers. Like their party sucks so bad that they can't even raise money within the United States that the DNC is like literally I'm so sorry hosting a fundraiser in Mexico I mean you would say wait a minute is that legal um actually I mean there's no like legally legal it's an event to raise money and apparently um uh permanent residents so people like my husband who have a permanent residence alien card and u.s citizens are allowed um to contribute to u.s elections uh the only difference is is that permanent residents cannot vote okay uh so uh, legal permanent residents can make campaign distributions uh but um you actually have to make sure that every like everything's covered in regards to um, how it is done. So if you're not a citizen, um, you and are not a permanent residence. Uh, so a non-citizen. Okay, let me let me put this right. So there's non-citizens who are not permanent residents. They can contribute their time and energy into political campaign as a volunteer or either as a paid consultant. So people that are on like student visas or work visas, you know, that are temporary for specifics. Um, so they can actually participate in volunteering their time, but they can't vote. Permanent residents can actually make contributions, but they can't vote. And then U.S. citizens can make both contributions and vote. So so everyone has, um, you know, the the right to participate in some shape or form in a political campaign. This is why we see illegal aliens campaigning all the time uh, for them. Uh, but... Um, 
uh, in regards to contributing cash, uh, you have to be a permanent resident, but you still can't vote. So like my husband is still considered a British national and he is not allowed to vote. He is a permanent resident. He gets like this card that has like the American flag and it's considered a green card slash permanent resident card. And, you know, that is used as a passport when he travels to Canada or, you know, Mexico, but not to other countries. And it clearly states that he has every right to work and live in this nation um, with no stipulations other than the fact that he's not an American citizen. He's still a British citizen and he can't vote. Other than that, he can still apply for federal loans. He can still enjoy the benefits of welfare, too, if he needs it. But he just can't vote. He's considered an American citizen without the right to vote. How's that? Just to simplify it. So Apparently, the DNC is holding this fundraiser um, there, and it's going to be in Mexico City. And that's because they have a lot of expatriates, they said. They have about one and a half million American citizens that actually live in Mexico, according to the State Department, okay? Now, um, so basically, what they've done is, since they can't raise money here, no one's paying, because remember, the people that actually support the Democrat Party that literally like support it, like not the paid people you see on TV are those Antifa basement dwelling people that, you know, have no ambition in life, probably don't work and big tech. So, I mean, there's only so much money that big tech can do. I mean, can the DNC say, well, we've been wholly funded by Google, Twitter, Facebook, and, you know, other, you know, left wing (laughs) type companies. It's kind of weird. And there's only so much money they can launder under the name of Twitter, Facebook, Google, and other organizations, uh, you know, to make it seem like it's coming from them, right? So they were like, you know what, since the Americans are poor, let's go down to Mexico where we could possibly, you know, uh, throw money under some permanent resident alien's name and some, uh, you know, resident American citizen that's a resident in Mexico that may be dead or unable to actually attend and funnel some money this way. So, and I think the limitations in regards to what you can donate, being a resident in Mexico, even though you're a U.S. citizen, changed too. So like the cap out. So maybe you'll find a John Smith that lives in La Playa or whatever, and he donates $1.5 million. And it's like, oh, you know, and this is like, oh, okay, we'll just take it. So this, this tells you just how big of losers they are and, you know, and what they're trying to do. They're trying to launder money into their campaign under the guise of, you know, this event. And so they're selling, um, you know, uh, tickets. So they have happy hour, which is a $25 fee for student entry to the dinner where tickets to the dinner are between a thousand and $15,000, depending on what hot table you want. So they're literally fundraising in another country. This is just how beaten up, how, how big losers they are on the democratic side. I mean, like I said before, they know they can't win right now. They just need money to, to counter win. Does that make sense to cause more damage? There's no way Kamala Harris is winning. She's telling everyone that she's going to reverse the tax cuts and then raise taxes. Nobody likes her. She's fake. She's a liar and nobody likes her. Joe Biden, you know, they need to get him on some, you know, amphetamines or something. The dude is so low energy and he forgets things. 
he really does forget things like timelines, you know, things that you should know as a president, like, you know, when people were president, when things happened, you know, simple things like that. Because uh, you can't, you know, say, oh, I'm going to meet with, you know, the prime minister of England. I love Tony Blair and he's not been prime minister for like forever. Uh, we can't have that. So th- there goes Biden. His chances are out. No matter how much money they throw behind him, he's still going to lose. Then you have crazy communist Bernie Sanders. Nobody wants him. He's got one foot in the grave. He spits when he talks. He makes absolutely no sense. And he says, all of you are going to pay for everything, speaks a guy who has tons of houses. So you're saying communism and socialism is great for everybody else except for you. I mean, if you really want to be a true man of the people, give up your houses. Or, you know, give up your yachts, your your Lamborghinis. Why don't you give them up? I mean, everyone should be equal, right? A hamburger flipper and a doctor should get the equal pay <laughs> because they're both on the same level. And they both invested a lot of time and education into flipping burgers. So and this is where the Democratic Party is. They have no actual candidate. Like I said, the only candidate that could possibly make sense is Andrew Yang. But he is way too early for this. Obviously, Ilhan Omar is not running. Obviously, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, that would have been super funny if she could run. I would have, I would pay like top dollar to be in the front row at a DNC convention with Ocasio talking. Um, Hillary Clinton has died. You know, we can't have her come on. You know, who do you put on there? Like, who do you have as a candidate? Nobody. I mean, if you put Krusty the Clown right now, he has better chances of winning the elections. You put up, um, Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper dressed up in latex with his butt cheeks out, he would have better chances of winning the DNC elections. But the bottom line is they don't have money. They don't have money to campaign. They don't have money for anything because the people that they're pandering to and that still follow them have no jobs. They're the ones that want socialism because they don't want to work. They're the ones they want hand-me-downs. They're the ones that want handouts. They're the ones... That can't afford to offer anything to your campaign. So this is why they're going to what? Outsourcing. Let's outsource our money and launder it from somewhere else. So this is, it's a lot of fun just to watch them squirm and do things like this. And it's a lot of fun if we catch them in the act of laundering money. That is super awesome. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes forward. Now, having said that, um, I wanted to just make a quick mention still on foreign policy, because this is like blowing everyone's mind away. Um, I just wanted to, because I forgot to put it in the previous hour. I wanted to say, I've, I've reported to you how Russia shot, you know, like their air force, literally blew up a Turkish convoy because they were superimposing themselves in a war in Syria that they have no business being in and trying to fund Al-Qaeda. Now, uh, we all know that Russia is actually the only nation, I believe, that our country, our administration, our president has had a candid conversation with. I spoke about this before where leaders, and, and, and obviously North Korea too, that leaders, good leaders, real leaders, sit down with other leaders and lay out their plan. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you don't want to tell them to know what you're doing. Yeah, that comes in war. But, like, let's picture this. I'm the president of the United States, and I decide that I want to see my country in four years right here. I want to see them in the gold standard. 
I want to see them be independent. I want to see manufacturing roaring. I want to see money coming in and my coffers being filled so that way I can uh, invest that in their infrastructure. I want to invest in, uh, you know, certain technologies. I want to do all this because I want my nation to be independent. And I share this information with Russia's president. And Russia's president's like, okay, you know, well, here's my plan. Like, I paid off all the debt from the USSR. I have um, money left over. And what I want is to ensure that my country can sustain itself too. And I don't want to be dependent on other nations or be part of these stupid deals and, you know, always be attacked because I have money and they don't. I want to see my nation as well build up their infrastructure. I want to see more space exploration. I want to, oh yeah, really Putin? So do I. These are conversations that leaders have. Well, where can we get that? I mean, I think both of us, uh, both our nations, um, you know, investing in our own nations and propping it up makes for healthy competition and great unity across the globe. Uh, you know, rebuild your old architecture, create, you know, reinforce your history, make it a tourist attraction. Same here in America. I want to like rebuff, I don't know, this building or paint it or something, whatever it is. Nations need to be proud for themselves and they need to be self-sustainable, not interdependent and full dependency on others. It's kind of like relationships. You know, good marriages are the ones that are not dependent on each other. They can independently exist, but in, in, in the same sense, they work in unity independently. Make sense? Those are, that's how strong relationships are. Like I'm not a relationships, relationship expert, but I've been married close to two decades, right? Close to two decades with one man. We are completely polar opposite. I am your book nerd. I am your travel, you know, guru. I speak so many languages and my husband is blue collar, period. And he does his own thing. He'll be away for a couple days. I'll be away for a couple days. And yet it works because we're both independent, but we are one as well. It, and this is how uh, you create good unity by finding that good balance where it's not like, oh, I'm doing my thing. You do your thing. It's like I'm doing my thing, but we're doing my thing together in a sense. And this is what I believe Russia and North Korea already had and Abe already had and other nations already had these conversations with President Trump. And this is why we are seeing these changes slowly inch away. Even though the mainstream media is portraying Russia as this or Brazil as this and Japan as this and North Korea as this, their moves don't make sense. They're telling us that Iran um, is claiming that we are aggressive. We are this. We see Pompeo also you know, oh, aggressive. You know, you got to keep the show going, man. You got to keep, you know, that going. This is the same kind of conversations that we had and heard before North Korea was done before they were liberated, right? How many times did we, oh, we're going to go to nuclear war. How many times do you hear Bolton? Well, North Korea better stop. And Pompeo saying, well, you know, we're trying to work with them, but you know, they're really aggressive and blah, blah. But in, in reality, they were negotiating. Why? Because the people that you're talking with behind closed doors and sharing the aspirations you have for your nation are the ones that are candid are the ones that are showing the vulnerabilities of themselves as leaders and their nation and expressing their needs, their wants, hiding from the eyes of those that do not want things like that to occur, like the European Union. And this is why, you know, Iran was being bullied. 
Iran, they stole their ship that wasn't even with their cargo. Keep in mind, it was their ship, but it had a Panamanian flag and a UK crew. It wasn't even going to Syria in the first place. It was going tanker to tanker with a Greek ship. Now we all know this. But they stole it. Why? Because they're like, oh, we have a feeling that you're doing something with the U.S. and you're not telling us. So we're going to hold your ship hostage now. And Iran's like, don't do that because I'll start taking yours. And this is what happens. The, the real enemies of free people, of independent nations, are showing their face. The real people are starting to step down. May left. Right? Conti's left. These are the people that orchestrated this coup, this usurpation of our democracy, because it wasn't just our democracy, it was their democracy, their version of democracy, because we, for some reason, thought we were an independent nation. We weren't. We were interdependent with all these other nations, with all these stupid deals, with all these stupid trade agreements that would tell us what we can and cannot sell, where we could and could not buy from. This is the um, the essence of it. We were delusional to think that during the Obama, Bush, and Clinton administration that we were actually an independent nation. Well, I think in the Clinton administrations where we started to forge these, um, you know, unhealthy dependent relationships with other nations, right? Um, and through uh, Bush, those were kind of reinforced and, um, you know, put out in writing and then sealed with Obama. And so now we've flipped that table saying, no, we, this is an unhealthy relationship. We don't like it. We like to be independent and kind of date and sleep with and, and work with whoever we want to, not because you said so. And this is how I can demonstrate it with one piece of news which is that the Russian Navy has actually um, decided that they're going to be doing joint drills with Iran, naval drills. Like, this is important news, and I don't see why no one is talking about it. Take a listen. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting because h- how is this happening? Wait, Russia is doing joint Navy drills with Iran? Hmm story. This time, it's a former prime minister of one of the most powerful countries in the world. That's coming up in just a little bit. But we're going to begin with a... Oh, they're talking about Jeffrey Epstein's major international connections. Uh, We're going to be doing an Epstein show on Friday. Blockbuster of a story that involves the Russian and Iranian navies. You know how in uh, recent weeks the Strait of Hormuz has become a hotspot? Down drones, uh, tanker attacks, accusations being hurled back and forth between uh, the Iranian government and the Trump administration. let me, let me show you something. Let me examine for you why the Strait of Hormuz, first of all, is not just another waterway. It is the most important choke point in the entire world. Let's look at the numbers. 21 million barrels of oil flows through the Strait of Hormuz every single day. Okay. Now add... We don't need a lesson to that because we already know it's like a U-turn and Iran you know, borders all of it. We've talked about this before. It's just geography. We know how important it is. The Russian Navy to that list. The Russian Navy. In fact, hold on. US Navy and more recently, the Brits, the British Navy have increased their presence there. So what's the news today? What's new, Rick Sanchez? Here's the answer. The news is that we can now add the Russian Navy to that list. 
the Russian Navy. In fact, in an official statement released by the office of Rear Admiral Hussein Kandazi of the Iranian Navy, we learn that the Russians will join the Iranians in joint naval drills. And the announcement comes with this message. It's obviously aimed at the heart of both Washington and London. Quote, the situation in the Persian Gulf is absolutely calm, despite the fact that the United States and the United Kingdom, by their lies and their bluff, are trying to make this region look unsafe and make it so. All right, that's the comment from that guy you see right there. He's uh, one of the big uh, puhas in the Iranian Navy. Now, the question is, will four navies vying for space in a crowded waterway that's barely 21 miles across in some areas make it more or less safe? Okay, so here's the thing. So where are the Russians heading to? So the Russians already know that there are concerns of expanding, uh, you know, um, I say it, uh, you know, uh, ethnic, I would say, and escalated issues in the Strait of Hormuz or basically just the Persian Gulf. We all know that Qatar, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in the middle of the Persian Gulf there. And um, they're entering that space. And it's not so much again, for Iran diffusion, but is for the diffusion of Turkey-funded operations there. I'm going to say this now, and we're going to be revisiting this statement again, and I've actually made a note in my notebook with an alarm for about August, uh, for October to revisit this. Because operations and exercises that they're going to be holding in the Persian Gulf is really important, and the Gulf of Oman, really important. Because... Iran is a huge chunk of land that is now surrounded um, by friendlies and enemies. So I just wanted to, and I'm sorry that I ate part of this hour uh, talking about this, but it's very important that we realize that candid conversations have been had. And, you know, Russian exercises uh, with Iran is a big deal. You would think that they would come on the side of the um, Caspian Sea or, you know, discussions from there and exercises from there, but it's not. So if it's coming in uh, through the way of Gulf of Oman and the Persian Gulf, if this is mitigation for Qatar and mitigation from what Turkey has been funding uh, on that end. So I wanted to make that notation before we head into the ridiculous um, DNC party again. Uh, the Democrats have actually advocated against um, all activities that we have done. And not only that, they are purporting and pushing notes. Oh, oh wait, notion, sorry. Um, throughout the world through global media on how our presence in Asia and in the Middle East can be crushed within hours. And you would say, who would say something like that? Why would our allies put out a report saying something like that? It's because they're not really our allies. And that is becoming more and more apparent every day. Australia actually conducted a study, uh, and put it out yesterday saying that China could actually defeat us and our presence in Asia within hours. And an almost identical study was put out by Turkey and Qatar 
saying that the U.S. military could be crushed in the Middle East within hours. Why are they putting such um, effort into showing weaknesses, if any, of our government? And that is because they are scared. Again, this leans back to how, uh, you know, the United Kingdom did not honor our request, which was a faux show, to hold on to the Iranian tanker so that we can investigate because they don't want us to know that we know that they know that we know that there was no crude oil and that we know that they know that we know they know that we know (laughs) that that ship was never going to Syria. And it was used as leverage to get Iran to talk because again, like the president said, their economy has crippled now. Uh, Also on that note, I wanted to say, even though that there are exercises, Iranian and Russian exercises with the Navy, they're going to be happening in the Oman and uh, Persian Gulf. uh, There are also exercises that are being had between Russia and the United States in the Caspian Sea. And also uh, we are seeing that uh, neighboring navies, Turkmenistan and others are also going to be participating. So you have to wonder, why is it that all these allies, new allies, I would say, suddenly working together. Because when it comes down to it, and like I said before, it's going to be Russia that's going to be leading the way on this uh, because they have more interest and more control. And indeed, we don't have the uh, necessary size of presence that we would require in the Eastern Mediterranean and the Middle East at the moment. Uh, it is our allies like Saudi Arabia, like Israel, like Iraq, like Iran, and I'm going to say it again, allies like Iran that are going to help diffuse the situation. Because uh, I believe that Iran is now uh, more aligned with us, uh, just as North Korea is more aligned with us than China. Uh, so that is the interesting part. Also, just so that we roll into the next topic, which is adding the P on LGBTQ. This is something that has been escalating in the Middle East as well. Uh, Remember, I had reported to you how Iran had passed a law allowing, uh, you know, uh, people to marry their stepdaughters and children as young as nine years old. Well, according to Iranian radio this morning, this is something that they're reexamining to overturn uh, due to the fact that they're finding that um, there is a less frequent birth rate so we're going to talk about that and stormy daniels right after the break red state talk radio is now available as a voice command on your amazon echo and echo dot by simply saying alexa play red state talk radio red state talk radio on tune in turn to every single american now we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities sanctuary cities that you can now find us on the amazon echo and echo dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the app store for your particular phone and just in case we activated your echo dot alexa stop hello my fellow patriots my name is michael flynn jr and i am the proud son of general flynn your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten if you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. 
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows that's four pillows for the price of one to take advantage of this special offer call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code red state that's 1-800-961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Okay, so in this last half hour, what I want to focus on is, um, again, we're going to be talking about human smugglers and trafficking, sex trafficking, pornography, child trafficking, child pornography, and all that good stuff. And it's not really good stuff. It's like the saucy stuff. The stuff that we're going to be really talking about on Friday with an Epstein wrap-up, there is a lot coming out. Prime ministers across the globe, big tech. And you know what's funny? If you guys actually go to torysays.com and find and just Google in Epstein and you'll see an article that I wrote Epstein flights, you'll see how I named every single big tech person that has been on the Lolita Express on non-documented flights too, and at parties, not only with, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein in presence, but they're all posing with the same sex slave too, uh, which I've tried to demonstrate. And I'll tell you what. Like I've said, like I said earlier, uh, when I was reporting on this, um, you know, transnational effort, right? This global effort to take down pedophiles. Um, what we need to remember is that um, pornography, child pornography, and human trafficking are all linked. Um, and this is going to be one of the most interesting twenty minutes you'll ever listen to. But before we go there, I want to play um, President Trump's remarks to Rashida's tears. Please, I just this is this is just fun to just watch, and I'll comment on that quickly. It's just two minutes of glorious, glorious statements. State should rethink its policy of aid toward Israel after she and Congresswoman Tlaib. Uh, were denied entry. Congresswoman Tlaib was later allowed to come in, but she decided not to. Should there be any change in U.S. aid to Israel? No. And you should see the horrible things that Tlaib has said about Israel. And AOC plus three, that's what I call it. AOC, just take AOC plus three. And you should see the things that the four of them have said about Israel over the last couple of years. 
I mean, Omar is a disaster for Jewish people. I can't imagine if she has any Jewish people in her district that they could possibly vote for. But what Omar has said, what Talib has said, and then yesterday I noticed for the first time, Talib with the tears. All of a sudden, she starts with tears, tears. And I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second, because I've seen her in a very vicious mood at campaign rallies, my campaign rallies, before she was a congresswoman. I said, who is that? And I saw a woman that was violent and vicious and out of control. And all of a sudden, I see this person who's crying because she can't see a grandmother. She can see a grandmother. They gave her permission to see a grandmother. Okay, let me just say, he's talking about that time that she was kicked out of his rally, who, uh, you know, she was screaming and, you know, jumping around. And she was not wearing a bra either, if you pay attention to the video. If you're going to be jumping around like that, I'm sorry. As a woman that's well endowed up there, I would wear a bra. So it was it was pretty um, uh, alarming to see because she was acting like a rabid leftist insane person. And then, you know, yesterday, what we saw, right, happen on camera, like the day before yesterday, when they did this whole presser, it was a charade. It was all for show. And, you know, I like to kind of like I said, how um, countries with real leaders get together and share information in order to drive their um, message home. This is what I do with other reporters. It's not about breaking the story first. It's about making the story stick and people to understand what story you're telling. And um, what we saw in her presser, both Omar and Rashida was their true intentions. A, f- a great reporter um, out of a Fox affiliate out in Fargo, Moorhead, Minnesota, did a did a show um, based on the you know the article that I put together where we were discussing the pendant that she was wearing, um, and I've put that out on lauralumer.us where Ilhan Omar Omar was wearing a pendant that only government officials of Somalia wear, which had the crest crest of Somalia. And I want to play a specific clip that he has. Give me a second. He has, it's a, it's a 12 minute clip. I just want to play the first few minutes of um, the, the end few minutes of it, because what, how he put it was exactly as how we should have seen it. Um, there is, you know, and based on what the president said, it's like, how can Jews actually vote for someone like this or the Democratic Party? Um, take a listen to these two minutes. See how that plays out in the next election. You heard President Trump there talk about uh, Rashida Tlaib and the opportunity to go see your grandma. Let me ask you this. What kind of character do you have to have to politically grandstand on your own 90-year-old grandma? Because that's what she did. She used a 90-year-old grandma to politically grandstand. I'll show you more about that here in just a moment. But I started the show talking about the political theater of this. I'm calling it a show. They call it a press conference. But also the symbolism, the optics of... And before he gets into it, I just want to tell you, you know, the woman in that press conference with the really ugly 70s glasses is Tlaib's sister. And there was another woman with a hijab, another sister of Rashida's, too. What's going on here, folks, and how bold Omar is right now. And I'm going to show you specifically 
what I mean. If you look at the symbolism of what she wore in the presser, and if we can bring up this video here, Christy, to show people specifically what I'm referring to, but see this pendant on her necklace. Okay, some might say, well, whatever. I'd love to know your thoughts, actually, and on the fact that she shows up as a presser. If we can play that role that one more time, Christy, had a presser, though, with the American flag on lips. None of this is by accident. If you've ever been around a movie set or a TV show set, you know that the director, every frame of the movie is well thought out, folks. This pendant right here that she is wearing, why does that matter? And can you tell, which you probably can't from that view, but Josh did a great job of getting a close-up here, what that pendant is. Let's bring up this graphic, if you will, Christy, and show people what that pendant is. That pendant is the coat of arms for Somalia. That is the coat of arms for Somalia. And some people are like, ah, bird, coat of arms, Somalia, whatever. She's got the freedom of expression. She can wear what she wants, when she wants, whatever she wants. And that's true. But my point to you is, what is she saying to you by showing up at a press conference, which she knows everybody's going to see, and wearing that? That's the first time it's, that I know it's been publicly worn. And first of all, what he's saying is true. And I, I tried to demonstrate in my article. She knew that this press conference would most likely make its way into almost every household on the planet because it's so controversial. And she made sure that she wore a shirt that would attract you to her chest in a more, you know, flag U.S. put in lips on her shirt just to attract. But she wore two necklaces. One was like a gold piece of Somalia and the other one was a government pendant. Worn like that. She knows all eyes are on her. And according to an article that just came out from Tori, I want to share with you what that coat of arm actually means. Now, by law in Somalia, if you remember this graphic, please, the coat of arms is only allowed to be adorned by those that are government officials. In other words, working in, in a capacity for the nation of Somalia or on official Somalia items such as stationery, government ID, and money. Do your homework on that. I don't read Somalia. The information about that came from an article that was done in Somalia. So I would say, hey, do your own homework on the coat of arms from Somalia. But I think it's pretty telling, pretty. So that is pretty interesting. I just tweeted out the video um, where he had put it together visually because all I could do is put it on print and drive my message home, which was this was done on purpose. This was done for show. This was done so that everybody could see where her loyalty actually lies. Now, on that note, um, where does our loyalty um in our highest offices of government lie? Does it lie within the vulnerable citizens of the United States or those that have money? Now, one thing I want people to know, if you are someone that likes to watch porn or, you know, and not on DVD, but on your phone, you should know that most of the spyware, most of the viruses are found on these sites. And this is why they're free. You know, a lot of people would, you know, back in the days when you were a horny little boy or a horny little girl, uh, you know, you'd have Playboy magazines or go into like the dirty movie section, you know, behind a black curtain. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that <laughs> speaking from experience, but to get those movies. Right. So that is, you know, you would have to pay a lot of money to watch things like this. But here's the thing. Suddenly they're all free. 
even on Twitter, you can find porn. And the majority of them are from transsexuals that are selling their bodies or, you know, people purporting massage. But do you know why? Because this is how you can get spyware on someone's phone uh, automatically. I mean, you could just go to porn.com and watch anything you want. And you know what you also see? A rise in porn that shows stepmoms having sex with their stepsons or stepchildren having sex with their dad. Um, it's just disgusting. And they're uh, constantly, you know, pushing a more pedophilic aspect. Now, what people don't seem to understand, and I've been trying to mention, obviously being one of the most lucrative industries, global intelligence communities are the ones that are involved in human trafficking. Again, it's not just about sex. It's also about organs. It's about genetic profiles. And, you know, I've said this before, that Native Americans have a very specific mitochondrial haplogroup. They have a very specific bloodline and very specific batteries of their cells that the, the mitochondrial DNA is housed in the mitochondria and the mitochondria are the batteries of all cells in your body. That is very distinct DNA and it only comes from the mother, only from the mother, never from the father. So again, genetic profiling, blood types, organs very specific when they you know when you need an organ transplant or you need an organ donor it's highly specific because you don't want your body to reject it and uh, you know to being dependent on medications all your life etc so think about this way how do they get kids or barely barely legal porn stars how do they get them? Usually these are children that are trafficked, children that um, are gender confused, children that are runaway, children that have had, uh, you know, really difficult upbringings. And the majority of them are drug addicts. Now, I know from a fact I've had a lot of friends be victim, kids that I grew up with, uh, both within the United States and outside of the United States, mostly though in Greece, um, when there was a big heroin push, um, you know, with kids that I would hang out with and call my friends uh, from a young age, you know, in the summer, I remember um, coming home to my parents' home, right, in Greece, um, you know, to visit them. And I was on leave and I wanted to go see my friend Anastasia. Uh, I couldn't get a hold of her on the phone. I talked to her mom. And I was like, hey, where's she at? I was just thinking about her. You know, she's, she was one of them. And I'm calling her Anastasia. It's not her real name. She, uh, she was one of the most beautiful girls I'd ever seen. You know, the dark hair, the really nice eyes. You know, a lot of people think that Taylor Swift has nice cat eyes. Nothing compared to her. Uh, tall, long legs, super hot, right? <laughs> and um, I was um, walking uh, down the street and I was um, calling home in the US and talking uh, with coworkers when she came up from behind me and she smelled, smelled like death. I, I can't explain it any other way. And she had just jumped out of a car and said, oh, you know, I heard you were in town. And I was like, yeah, hey, you want to go grab a drink later? I can't wait to like catch up on, catch up with you. Where have you been? You look like you've been, oh no, I'm just going out right now. I can't, hey. 
do you have like 5,000 drachmas on you? I'm like thinking, why would she ask me for money? You know, that's like close to like 500 bucks at the time, let's just say. I was like, what the, why would she say that? And I heard a guy from the car who obviously thought I didn't speak Greek because she was speaking to me in English, obviously, so they don't understand. I don't know. He's like, hey, you're either going to suck it to get it or you need to pay me. And, you know, obviously I just totally gave her all my money so she doesn't have to put herself through the fact of giving her, you know, body up for a dose. And I find out that she's a heroin addict. And apparently, you know, speaking to her, you know, uh, the next day, uh, right before I was leaving to go back home, she told me, you know, I don't have the money and my parents won't fund it. And I've tried to get clean, but you know, I'm just having sex with guys. So it's okay. I like having sex, you know, they, they, (laughs) so that I can get my fix. And this is how they trap them. Because when you're a drug addict, the only thing you think about is she's passed away. I've actually lost, I would say like seven childhood friends in Greece, three friends in England, two in Sweden, and about four of them in the, in, in New York that I grew up with that lost their lives to drugs. And I can tell you every single one of them was victim to sex trafficking for their fix. This is how they get these kids. Now, in regards to the pedo rings, I can tell you that the witnesses that I have interviewed, the victims that I have interviewed, have told me the same thing. One of my victims was actually executed by the police um, that had given me a lot of names and a lot of um, ways that they uh, recruit and attain children within their network to be used. And the primary way that they do this is by getting them hooked on drugs. Because one thing like about heroin, right, cocaine, weed, you know, marijuana, and even meth are a more psychological, you know, more, uh, they don't change your chemistry. Heroin literally changes your body's chemistry and a certain other drugs. So when you get drugs that are laced with things like that, uh, you know, with opioids, uh, this is why it's so addictive. And this is why they go through pain when they are in withdrawal. So, Why would global intelligence agencies coordinate together to recruit children? I mean, money is one reason, but there's a lot more that happens because, okay, so there's, I I actually had this discussion with my girls, um, both of them, you know, birds and the bees talk. There's, there's sex and then there's, um, sex. You either have sex as a carnal evil, grunty thing, you know, the type of stuff you would see on porn, which if you actually watch porn, you know, it breaks my heart to see their faces. Most of them are drugged up. Most of them are in pain and they feel horrible. You can see it in their face that they're not enjoying it. Um, there's this carnal and innate need to have sex at a certain point after you get into puberty. And it's not because, you know, how they say horny little boys and men are like, oh, I did this girl. Oh, I did that. It's because of reproduction. This is why, you know, dogs go sniffing up, you know, females, bums and start humping legs. It's because it's a carnal thing. They feel like, you know, this, 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 um, garnishing of energy within your soul that needs to just, ah, and pop out. That is 
what they bank on. If they can train your child to see sex as something carnal, then it's no big deal. I actually had a conversation with one of my children where they were like, well, you know, uh, is sex nice? I mean, maybe I could just have sex and make money. I was like, why would you give your body up for money? You know, I don't know. Like, it's no big deal, right? I mean, it's supposed to be fun. I was like, who tells you that? Well, you know, in school, they tell us that, you know, sex is fun and it has to be safe. Why are they teaching our kids, you know? that have just entered into the double digits, that sex is fun, that it's for pleasure, that it's what you should be doing. You know, as your body grows and it has the need to reproduce this, you know, carnal and biological need to reproduce, they tap into that. Now they are training our children to tap into it. They are telling our kids that is a, that it is a way of, you know, pleasure. They are teaching our kids how to masturbate. Like, why would you teach a kid how to masturbate? Seriously, why? The way someone has sex or why they have sex is how you can see how they are inside. I've had friends, uh, girlfriends that, and one of them is actually a star and admitted because we were really good friends even though she was like, you know, huge celebrity and she is now super hates Trump admitted that, you know, they had abortions when they were younger and that helped her life evolve. Well, I asked the same question, like, why would you have sex with someone just to have sex with someone? Oh, because I got a role or, oh, because they're cute and they'll like me. No. Why would you do that? You give yourself to someone that is honorable or is, um, mm, someone that you would respect to possibly procreate with. If you don't see every mate that you engage with as a possible mate to procreate with, then you're seeing sex wrong because the whole purpose of sex is to procreate. So what do they do? They grab these children and they get them to be drug addicts. And then their bodies are now their money. That is their currency. So that is for the pornography industry. And now we see that there is a um, orchestrated effort by our federal school systems to introduce the idea that sex is fun and it feels good. And it should be used as a form of entertainment. And this is what Planned Parenthood did too. Now, There are so many people that you've probably seen on porn.com that don't even exist. Probably dead, somewhere in a ditch, used, too old to be used anymore, done. Or you see that they've changed. I don't know. How do they change? How many of them are missing kidneys? This is a trend, actually. So people, there was a study done in Ecuador years ago, guys, that was putting out information saying that people that were part of the sex industry were also missing kidneys so that they would sell kidneys to Americans, uh, you know, to make ends meet when they couldn't get enough Johns like legit. So here we have, um, pornography being pushed on children, uh, children being sexualized, and it is our actual agencies, our law enforcement, our sheriffs, our attorney generals that perpetuate this, not just because of the money that the sex industry brings, right? Because the sex industry, the porn industry is huge, but because the really smart ones or the ones that recruit, the ones that help actually become assets. And we saw that in who? 
Stormy Daniels. Like, what kind of porn star gets put on CNN? Oh, why? Because maybe President Trump had a fantasy about having sex with a porn star? First of all, he's such a germaphobe. Uh, maybe he paid to watch her have sex with someone else. I wouldn't actually believe that, you know, he would have sex with her being such a germaphobe. I'm just saying. But um, think about it for a second. They're sexualizing our children and these assets are through the porn industry and they attract people only to collect their information and learn more about them. If you're a person that's a little bit pervy, you know, and the government knows that you're pervy, you fit a certain XYZ profile and this is how they do it. Think about it in another way. For all of you that have engaged in sexual you know, relations, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone has that listens to me because uh, I don't think I have a child audience. Um, at the time of orgasm, your body for both men and women release. Women actually release certain hormones. Men actually release, uh, you, you know, they just drain completely. It is like coming down from an actual high. It is it is getting the high and coming down at the same time. Like you've just hit your high, like heroin. So your brain registers it as like a drug interaction. This is why it is so important that we understand just how uh, our sexuality or our innate uh, urge to procreate is being weaponized against us by minimizing its actual existence and why it's there, which is procreation, because it's not being used for procreation because we actually have uh, lesser child birth rates right right now in the U.S., right? But also it's actually used to be able to exploit us too. In the sense, aside from recruiting our children, uh, recruiting potential uh, donors uh, that they may need through their human smuggling operations, it is also a way that they can uh, in enter and access your cyber life. So that one time you go to porn.com and you watch, you know, daddy, you know, goes dirty on his daughter, they already know that you're keen on that kind of stuff. And you've got malware like nobody's business on your device. I mean, it's best to just chuck it out the window. It's done. I don't care how many antivirus programs you throw. This is the intelligence community. They will have things that bypass everything and everyone. So if you're not ashamed of watching porn, because, you know, there are carnal urges that we have as human beings, kind of like women and chocolate at certain periods of the day or month. Um, you know, you just need to understand that this is another way that they get access to you and more so for collection of information, dissemination of your information and profiling you. On that note, I want to wish everyone a great evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. And I will see you tomorrow, same time, same place, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time.